0: All right. Well, uh, thank you, Ginger, for joining. Uh, this is our second time we've done this. This is a little podcast that we've put together for funnel nine. Um, so we really appreciate it. Would you mind just kicking us off with just a rough bio and no, I'm not looking for all of your achievements cause we'd be here all day. Um, but maybe something, uh, an abridged version of what you've done and what you're up to, um, just to kick this off.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I started off, um, I'll, I'll give the very short version. I started off in television research, then I moved to television marketing, worked for NBC for uh, about 10 years, won a handful of awards there. Then I opened up my own um, consulting company, which has had a couple of names, <laughs> but, but now it's a Zoomada group. Uh, I have a small team and basically what we do is help um, companies and brands position and communicate their big ideas.
0: Yeah, that's very concise. You, you must have uh, some expertise in that. So appreciate that. Um, Well, I thought it'd be cool to get somebody on that could talk about storytelling. Uh, You know, obviously I'm interacting on the side of marketing analytics. And so a lot of times people come wanting measurement, but really what they need is strategy and storytelling. and you know you you'd be surprised at how many companies struggle with this and i guess my first question for you is why is storytelling so hard
1: you know i think a lot of people actually misunderstand what storytelling means in in a business context i think they you know we we've heard the the term storytelling all our lives and i think they believe that they actually have to tell some sort of story and it feels awkward and weird. And it's just not, it. it's not explained very well is the reality. What, what storytelling actually means in a business context is understanding how you, your product and services, etc., fit into your customers or your clients' overall story of what they're trying to accomplish. So when we talk about storytelling and a lot of people get this wrong, basically it's that you're your customer or your client or your audience is the hero of the story because they're on some sort of quest to get something done and you're there to help them and to the extent that you do you get to be a part of their story and to the extent that you don't you don't get to be a part of their
0: story uh, that's an interesting way to look at it so in the in the in the case of like star wars which i've heard you tell that story before you know, the company that's providing the services maybe Obi-Wan Kenobi, but the hero is Luke. And, and so really, we should be telling it through his eyes and not nothing. Th-
1: that's it. That is exactly right. It's funny. I was just talking to somebody about this recently. And so if we take that if we take the Star Wars example, um, which is fun. But if you talk to anyone about Star Wars, I'll tell you where they start the story. They actually start the story where, you know, Luke basically, you know, he, he meets Obi-Wan Kenobi and he goes off to, you know, become a, a fighter in the Rebel Alliance and try to be Darth Vader and all of that stuff. And what, what they fail to, to realize, I think, with the Star Wars analogy is that the only reason Luke started to do that is because is because he had a mentor, Obi-Wan, help him, you know, I'm, I'm air quoting right now, but cross the threshold. You know, where where Luke actually started was just kind of like a regular guy, like most of us and like our clients and customers, you know, trying to live his life. And then something happened. He 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 had a problem. His his aunt and uncle got, um, you know, sizzled by stormtroopers and that sent him on on a journey. And so when we think of storytelling, you know, we need to think about, okay, well, what's going on in the lives of our customers and what is making their, their lives complicated or difficult? And to what extent can I help them? What you're really trying to do is help them cross the threshold into solving their problem.
0: So if I was to give you a brand, um, not to put you on the spot, but like if I gave you a brand like Coca-Cola, could you tell me what, what's yeah. Coca? Well,
1: you know, Coca Cola has a, a very um, storied story, if you will. They've got a lot of history, right? So, so everybody is gonna is, is gonna think about Coca Cola a little bit differently. But Coca Cola, a long time ago, had a goal that I'm pretty sure that they that they um, they've reached is, you know, t- to be like within arm's length of any uh, of, of any potential customer that required refreshment, which is why they're all over the world. And, you know, they've got vending and, and, and they're available everywhere. And so what they needed to kind of do to translate their story and differentiate themselves. So now we're going to get a little bit into positioning, right? What, what the story of Coca-Cola is that they are the original, they are the real thing. So if you want to drink a cola and you want to drink the real thing, you know, and you want to kind of plug into all of that history and legacy Coca-Cola is your story, and so so that kind of combines a little bit of the way they have to differentiate themselves because at the end of the day they're just you know um, sh- you know flavored sugar water, um, but they've got to actually plug into a story that is going to make you reach for Coca Cola, and if you're old school like me, you know you like the old original Coke because it means a lot of things into it, and it's probably the first soft drink that you that you had, and it's got the distinctive bottle, et cetera,
0: et cetera. So when you're when you're walking through um, and, and you're kind of engaging with a client, and I know you you do some pretty sophisticated stuff, especially around you know like um, some of the things you're doing around drugs and, and communicating that to people, I mean that that's got to be the dip- most difficult, but maybe there's another kind of lower tier thing that you could walk us through where where you walk into a client, they think they've got this great thing, they're telling their own story, and you're like, it's the wrong story, like how do you get them to understand? storytelling like what
1: sure so you know the the first thing we usually do is is we say okay you know who this sounds simple you hear it all the time but it's like when i'm trying to uncover somebody's story i'm going to ask them you know a series of questions that are pretty much all always the same questions which is okay you know who's your customer and they say whoever I'm trying to come up. Oh, I was actually talking about. I was giving a demonstration about a. Do you remember flare pens? The good old fashioned felt tip flare pens. So I'm yeah. gonna use flare pen as an example because I use them. So why do I use flare pens? I actually like fi- fancy pens, but for some reason I need to have a handful of these things around. And the reason is, I love to take my notes with a uh, pen and ink. But yet, I'm also a digital person, so I take scans of my notes and upload them to Evernote. And so I actually need so if you looked at me as being kind of the the hero of this story or or the purchaser of a flare pen, in this case, the purchaser is someone who wants to be able to take a note, but the but the line needs to show up on the paper strongly enough that when I take a scan it it makes a nice scan, right so, In that case, and we'd say, okay, so the person that the customer is someone who, you know, just wants a nice, strong line on on, on their paper and they want to be able to scan their notes. Mm -hmm. The problem is this. If if you do this a lot is if you're particular about pens, what you don't want is it can't be too thin. It needs to dry quickly. I don't want it to smudge on my hands because that's gross and it gets on my clothes, you know, so. There are some challenges that I have to overcome for the way that I do this, and so I'm asking, you know, I'm I'm asking a client, okay, well, who's your customer, and what's the problem that they're encountering trying to get done, whatever it is that they're trying to get done. And so I just gave you that example, and so then what we need to try to explore is like, okay, well, what's a you know what's a potential solution. to that problem, right? And I can look around, I can have this fancy pen, that fancy pen, et cetera. But in my case, I'm going to say, you know, a flare pen is actually perfect. It's cheap. It lays down a bold line. It dries quickly. It doesn't smudge. I don't have to worry about losing them. I buy them by the fistful, you know, and and so there's all of these benefits. And so when we're walking, you know, a client through that, those are the kind of questions I'm asking. Who is your customer? What are they trying to accomplish to go back to storytelling? What is their quest? What quest are they on? Who's their customer? What are they trying to accomplish? What's getting in the way of them accomplishing that thing that they're trying to accomplish? You know, how can you help them? What's a bold promise that you can make them? You know, exactly how are you going to prove that you can pay off that promise You know, and then how are you going to get them to cross the threshold? And and so that's the general idea. And I think the big mistake that most clients are making, it's real simple, is they are focusing way too much on their thing or their service. And they want to just tell stories and stories and stories about, you know, the pen. And it's not about the pen. It's about, in this case, the scan showing up nicely and me not having ink on my hands. And so you really have to immerse yourself in the customer's world.
0: No, it's funny when you said that, I was thinking of the scene in the Wolf of Wall Street where he says, sell me this pen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just sold you a pen.
0: I know, I know. I got to get these pens. Uh, I do like a bold line. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. You look at some of these companies, a lot of these startups, um, you know, I see a lot of angel decks that get sent to me and you see they're talking about the product, talking about the product, talking about the product, and there's really no talk about the customer. Um, I feel like that's kind of uh, what you're walking us through. It's amazing to me, though, that how many of these larger companies, these Fortune 500s that are failing in this area, um, you know, what's an ideal target for you in terms of the client that you're trying to help? Like, what, what's your sweet spot? Where do you go? and um, where, where do you make
1: Yeah, so for us, you know, that's such a good question because I think people get themselves wrapped around the axle in this exact thing as well. You know, this whole talk of an ideal client. So, the ideal client is is first and foremost someone that's aware that they actually have a problem, right? You know, that they and and that they have a problem that I can help them with, right? (laughs) And that they're going to trust me to help them. And so, so I think you know that. So if we talk about that, Ian, that's literally going back to How do I know where I fit into their story? What the ideal client isn't for me is someone I have to go convince that you're saying it all wrong, right? The the people that we work with tend to already know, you know what, I'm pretty sure I have a good product. It seems to really solve a problem. But as soon as they say, but I'm having trouble convincing, fill in the blank, right? That they need us, that's usually a symptom that like okay well one of two things is happening their problem is not ac- acute enough and you know it, it or it's not the problem that they actually care about it's the problem that you care about or that they're you know kind of problem unaware and and either of those two things is is um is a little bit hazardous to your health in terms of trying to pursue you, know, you never want to convince someone which is goes right back to the original statement which is get in their world figure out the problem that they're really having. And do you actually have the solution to that problem? It might, you know, you might be one of the things that, that they can solve, but if it's not pretty high up in the list, they probably just don't have, you know, attention span for you at that moment. Uh,
0: What do you think about the, the, I I don't know if it's kind of the modern way of looking at things, but that the the idea that no one has an attention span anymore, everything has to be quick hitting fast to the point make the sale convert performance marketing we don't have time for story cuz everybody's overloaded with stories what do you wh- how do you handle that like how do you walk through that and and do you believe a good story can break through even if it takes a little
1: a good story i mean a, a, a truly good story will always break through even though it takes a little bit longer to tell it and so i mean we we do you know, if we were to put what you do and what Fun- Funnel Nine does and what we do together, you know, we're talking about really different different sets of the funnel, right? Or, or different different stages or altitudes of the funnel. But I think where, you know, communicating what you can really help a customer with, which is, you know, that's playing the long game and it's playing the brand game, right? Trying to to find a place to fit into your customer story is going to just give you a lot of benefits in the long run, because it's going to, you know, a a good brand basically lift all lifts all boats. So it's going to make people, you know, um, find you a lot faster. You're probably going to get a lot more um, direct traffic to to your site versus paid traffic to your site. You know, you're going to have preference right out of the bat in terms of when, when folks are kind of, lining up things to put in their consideration set, you're going to have an advantage out of the gate because, you know, humans are like herd animals. You know, we, we tend to want to go with things that we've already heard of and that feel safe and that there's not as, as much doubt and uncertainty. And so if you can actually get into their story you know, you've got all of those benefits. That's not to say that the lower funnel kind of paid acquisition, all that stuff doesn't need to be there. It absolutely has to be. It's just at a different stage, right? And so you you have to play all levels. And the, the challenge I think also, Ian, is it, it's a little, sometimes it's a company maturity issue, you know, uh, uh, companies with limited funds, right? And, and that are in more acute sales situations are going to naturally want to just zero in on the bottom of the funnel and try to get, you know, kind of like, you know, paid acquisition and, and conversion. And, you know, it is what it is in, in a way. But as companies start to mature and, and get out of what I call the red zone where they're striving, struggling and surviving, then you want to start to, to think about brands so you can make those, those buys and those other paid things that you're doing a little bit more efficient.
0: Do you think that um, regional brands, and I'll throw in things like, you know, a mom and pop restaurant or maybe a small chain in Southern California versus a national brand, tell stories differently? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, other than just channels that they're acquiring and trying to, to own, are they are they actually telling? A-
1: you know, it, it's an interesting question. I mean, bringing up the restaurant example, you know, you have to understand the things there are very situational, right? You know, so... If, if I'm in, in a particular town in a particular neighborhood or if I'm traveling. Right. What what I'm going to what I'm going to be doing very different. Right. Is I'm probably going to pull up Yelp or Google Maps or something like that and look for something near me. That's there's still a story there. Right. Because what I'm doing is I'm looking for a place to eat that's near me that has certain attributes. I may be looking for like, I want a good, authentic local meal. So I don't I don't want to, you know, go into a fast food chain or whatever it is. You know, on the other hand, I might just be looking for like where's the closest Starbucks, right? And, and so that's a local play, even though it's a national chain, but it's something I'm familiar with. So the I think the thing for people to understand is there's always a story. It's just a matter of which one are you playing into right are you trying to say you know what when when people are visiting my town i want them to come and visit my restaurant because we actually happen to have amazing you know chicago roast beef here in los angeles right you know they're actually going to want to to emphasize that on their website if i go to check it out and i want to check out the menu they're going to want to make sure that like you know that's the type of stuff that's showing up in their reviews on yelp or google etc so there's just you know part of it is like keep it simple stupid don't overcomplicate what story really is story is just like what's going on and what's what's the frame of which people are going to be be you know seeking out my you know my services in in that case it might be i want a quick meal that i can get in under 30 minutes so that i can get to my next meeting that's a story
0: you brought up something about keeping it simple and it it kind of Popped into my head here, you know, having having managed large organizations, you know, you think in your mind that everyone has the same story about why we're here. The you know the the kind of the Simon Sinek why we're here to, and what we're trying to do, um, but obviously distilling that down to everyone and getting that to percolate the right way and making sure everyone um, is saying that and believing that and, and and demonstrating that is pretty difficult. Have you had any experience with? kind of taking a story that's too sophisticated and simplifying it so that everyone in the organization kind of sings from the same.
1: It's so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the funny thing about that is, you know, you ask, have you ever had a situation? It's like every situation is usually trying to take a complicated story and make it simple. It doesn't matter how, um, how complex things are, right? So I, I've worked in like really difficult, you know, pharmaceutical situations where, you know, kind of groundbreaking uh, um, uh, drugs to solve, you know, re- really bad problems. And people wanna talk about the science and the this and the that, you know, and and the, the answer, the story might be something as simple as, you know, this drug, now granted, I I've, I've gotta be careful here because drug folks have to be very, very careful about how they communicate their benefits. But if you were looking at a simple story, it might be, you know, you just went from a one in six, you know, this drug helps you go from a one in six chance of X to being one in four, right? Like boil it, boil it down. So getting away from drugs, because that's always a tricky, tricky thing to talk about. You know, you know, we also work with, with a, another client in, in the finance industry is talking about like all the stuff they do. And it's amazing. It's like, I mean, it, it it's almost overwhelming all the ways that they can help. They can help people with their finances. But at the end of the day, the story that we're being intentional about telling is that, you know, managing your finances and planning, et cetera, et cetera. It's really about balancing, you know, your well-lived today's with your well-lived tomorrow's. Right. And so, You always want to kind of, I always advise even, even the most sophisticated clients. In fact, usually the more sophisticated the client is, the more I have to help them. Like we're going to talk at an eighth grade level here, right? No fancy words, no jargon. Like, tell me what really is the benefit. And and those benefit statements are usually very, very simple. They have to be something that, that he, Here, here's a test I always do. Like, if you say, "Oh, we do X," is anyone gonna anyone in the room gonna raise their hand and say, "Like, oh yeah, that's what I'm looking for"? If you're talking at a level where no one would be able to raise their hand, you, you're overcomplicating it.
0: Yeah, no, you're you're totally right. I mean, when we first launched Funnel Nine, we would we would tell everyone about how we're helping with attribution, and um, we got so many blank stares around just the term attribution. There was a lot of people that don't use it in their normal day to day. I mean, it's a marketing term. And so marketing folks actually understand it. But when you're talking to business owners, they're just like, no, I just want sales. I just want conversions. Can you grow? Help me grow. And so, you know, going back and simplifying that, making it about a report card or an auditing tool seems to kind of gel better with what they're hoping you're going to give them. Um, You know, not to get too political because I I don't want to, alienate but you brought up the drug thing do you what do you think the storytelling kind of failure has been on the vaccine why do you think it's been so hard to convince people um do you think it do you think it is a storytelling issue or do you just think it's just political time and just
1: it's a little bit of both i mean my my personal opinion on that is that you know now we're going to, we're going to cross over from, from storytelling to storyteller, right? It's like, you know, I, I think that the challenge with the vaccine is, you know, who are you letting, you know, whose stories are you willing to to listen to? And, and you know, the, the vaccines themselves and the data and, and, and everything else, no no matter which side of the line that you fall on it, you know, are going to be Heavily colored. You can only have an opinion on on things that that you hear about, and if you are, you know, depending on who you're listening to, you're going to have a different opinion. And so, I, I think that's that's the challenge. We're we're in very politicized times, right? There, there there's just a big gap between you know what one set of people believe and what another set of people believe, and 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 I think that's that's the overriding challenge that, that we have. It's 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 bigger than the vaccine
0: issue. It's a storyteller. Oh, totally. You, you know, the storyteller itself, that's, that's something that we can use. I mean, Dr. Fauci to me is the storyteller, even though a lot of people might think now it's President Biden versus President Trump. I actually don't feel that way. I feel like it's Dr. Fauci because he's been positioned and used as the mouthpiece for science for both administrations. And so he's the storyteller. And there's a part of me that thinks that if we just changed the storyteller and just presented the data that I think there might be more acceptance because I think there's some fatigue from hearing that story. Is that something that's common in other brands and other things where, you know what, it's not the story. It's actually the way the person's telling it. We got to change that. Like, have you, I mean, to get off this topic of vaccines, but has there been a time where you're like, listen, um, your spokesperson is not the right spokesperson or this person is not communicating it the way that we've written it. Like they need to change their inflection. Like how much coaching do you give to this?
1: Yeah. So, so it's a great question, right? Because when, when we work with clients, there's the, there's absolutely the story. And then the story is only as good as the sort of legitimacy, authority and credibility, that you can build with the storyteller. So, so when we kind of work through our whole kind of story cycle, and again, we're really using storytelling as a vehicle for a process of communicating to customers and clients. Right. But the same way that, you know, if, um, you're going to expose my, I use star Wars as an example, but I do not know all the star Wars things, but what what were those little guys in the desert, the Ewoks or whatever? Ja-
0: Jawas, Jawas.
1: The Jawas. Okay. Thank you. So Ewoks. Gee
0: whiz.
1: I know I'm sorry, but, but, but here's the thing, like if it hadn't been Obi-Wan or if it hadn't been Yoda, if it had been some other bit character that looked kind of funny or that didn't have that kind of sage sense about them, you know, Luke may not have crossed the threshold, even like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, Like you're just not very credible. Right. And, and so what we definitely work through is, all right, we have a good story here now. Why are we or my clients right? Qualified to tell this story. And then you really have to go through, okay, well, you know what, what other people would vouch for our, our ability to tell that story? What case studies do we have? Right, what um testimonials do we have? You know, uh do we have awards, certifications, et cetera? Like you've got to be building, you know, credibility, authority, and legitimacy to be that storyteller. And it might just be a trustworthiness, right? Like, I mean, you can get, you know, I'll give you the perfect example. You know, um people thought all sorts of interesting things probably about uh Meghan Markle, you know. Until, you know, Oprah Winfrey sat down with her and had a conversation. And it's like, suddenly you're like, holy crap, I maybe wasn't seeing this the right way. Well, why is that possible? Because it, because Oprah brought the conversation to us. And so, so storyteller is, is, um, is a huge deal. And, and I think that you're right. Sometimes, you know, you might just need, you know, a a different person who to tell your story than, than the one that you have
0: yeah, it's funny. I was just thinking, uh, you brought up Oprah, but the Morgan Freeman pops into my head as somebody that could probably solve anything, right? Like, he's just got that calming, soothing, dark it's voice. Got- he, just like, so cool. he just brings it, man, every time. I And, uh, you know, Oprah's a good one, too. Like, I, I definitely agree that there's that credibility factor with certain folks, uh, if you're going to go on the celebrity side, where you just look at them and you just go, yeah, yeah you know, I believe it. I believe what they're saying. Um, so that's interesting. Well, so... Fast forward, you know, f- five years from now, like what do you what are you hoping to accomplish? Like, what's next for for your group, Zumeda Group? And I know you have other things that you're working on. Like, what do you what do you plan to do next?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think for for us, you know, we're we're constantly trying to tell bigger stories. I'll I'll, I'll give you a perfect. I'll, I'll go a little bit meta on us, right? So we're about to, um, you know, pretty soon do kind of a rebrand from from Z- Zumeida Group to Motive Three. And part of that is very story driven. Right. You know, we're, we're getting a little bit bigger um, than we used to be. And and Zumaida group, me being the Zumaida, isn't necessarily the best representative of all the things that we can do. Right. And I'm not able to necessarily, you know, be full time on every project that we have. And so so we got to the point where it's like, you know what? We're actually you know doing some bigger things. we're adding a lot of expertise to the team you know we we've we've got some 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 great new clients that are that are quite big that we're helping with and so we need to we need to to actually start to tell a little bit different story we're 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 maturing right you know we're going from an adolescent kind of you know boutique consulting brand to a slightly more mature one right and so so it's it's important to understand that like all brands you know, are, are dynamic in a way, but you need that sort of thread of, of truth, your ethos that goes through the whole thing. And so for us, what's next on the horizon is, is, um, growing kind of, you know, working with, uh, additional brands and and we're really doubling down. Honestly, we used to do a lot of things, right. We'd, we'd, we'd help our clients with just about whatever they They asked for, I mean, uh, you know, I used to have a huge staff, so I'm a bit of a generalist and I know a a little bit about a lot of things, but what we've realized as we've, um, as we've grown is to really niche down. And so we're, we're really doubling down on positioning and messaging because we're seeing that that's the place where there's actually, there's the most confusion. And if you get it wrong, you can really, really struggle you know, struggle to differentiate yourself. You're constantly struggling for your piece of the pie, um, but differentiating, telling your story, can can make a just a huge difference in in, in results.
0: Well, it sounds very exciting. Um, I want to thank you for your time and and jumping on here with me. I hope you like this uh, this new uh, app. It's uh, it's pretty easy to produce things uh, on the fly. And the cool thing about it is it records it forever. So you can actually um, share it and, and cut it up as you want. So uh, I'll make sure to get you the full episode. And
1: yeah, I appreciate it. I love the conversation. Yeah, no, it
0: was great. And uh, thanks for the, our listeners down there. I see you guys. Uh, and uh, for anybody else that listens to this later on, uh, I'm Ian with Funnel9. And we're in marketing attribution. Happy to help you. So this is, visit us at Funnel9.com. And thanks again, Ginger. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks a lot, Ian. Take care.